Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone. Another edition of Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva live, 4 p.m. EDT. How are you, Eva? I'm well, thank you. We are broadcasting live from our secure bunker in Cincinnati. I know, after we've been on the road. We've been on the road. Um, we had a very hectic week. Um, we were at a publicity summit representing our show, which we're very proud and excited about. And we met a lot of really cool people. 62 uh, new authors, to be exact. We had the privilege of meeting, greeting, and interviewing 62 entrepreneurs, authors, um, and people that are out there trying to make a difference. And, man, my respect level for these guys is over the top. No, it's terrific, and we've got so much new content coming up in the remainder of this year, so it's exciting. It's exciting everything that's out there. So what we like to do our first time back from the summit is rather than have a guest, which we have plenty, mm. uh, we like to share what we learned, what we see, and what we're doing as well. Yeah, that's perfect. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the mission of Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva is to make a difference, right? Make a difference not only in the workplace, but in the home, and then also in the world. Well, you know, we've said it before, right? There's no real difference between home and work anymore. It's not like you work nine to five and then you come home, right? You're not unplugged anymore. We work from home. We have smartphones. We are always plugged into work. We are always plugged into home from work. There's no boundaries anymore. And so it gets very difficult. And there's a lot of information out there, the information around how we work and how we play is changing. There's a lot of new techniques out there. So every now and then we like to just have it be the two of us so that we can discuss some of the things that are coming up and what's on our minds. Right. And, um, you know, the theme today, the word of the day is ambivalence. I, I know you that like right? that word. I yeah. like that word. Mm-hmm. It's basically neither here nor there. That's how I say it. I know who cares. Who cares? Right. And that's... <laughs> and that's the problem, right? We have what I call an ambivalence epidemic in the workplace. And again, and, I'll say, who cares? And like Eva <laughs> said, it morphs into the home and into the world, right? So at the beginning of the show, I really love the um, the tag where we say, are you concerned about your job um, and reinventing yourself and with the tools or just wanting to be a part of the workplace revolution, which workplace improvement revolution, which we need you guys, right? But not to watch. We want revolutionaries. We want everyone to make a difference in the workplace. So I'm seeing this, what I call, ambivalent epidemic. And it's really starting to make me want to, get on my Paul Revere horse and go out there and um, maybe do a better job recruiting. 
Right. Well, okay, but I don't think it's just that, right? So we're going to argue already right from the start. I do think that there is a lot of ambivalence out there, but the problem is, is that I think people are really overwhelmed. There is, there is just so much information. There's so much going on. It just feels like you just need to duck to be able to get to work and get home safely, securely, and soundly. And so we want to talk about that because we want to say that that's not really the way to stay safe in your position, and that's not really the way to make a difference in your position. And some people will say, well, I don't care about making a difference. Well, but if you still want to just even keep your current position, you have to take your head up out of the cubicle. Right. So uh, our companies need us now more than ever, right? Every year the ball gets higher and higher. We need to bring it Um just an example, a couple of weeks ago, we were downtown in Cincinnati, um, and we were uh, at a coffee shop, and uh, a, co- a former co-worker had walked by, and we made eye contact, and I went out to say hello because I hadn't seen him. And he was like, dude, it's like I'm not working. I'm working from home. Company doesn't even know I'm there. I don't even go in the office. This is the best. And, you know, we can do better. Well, it's not just around doing better, right? So, yeah, they don't know he's there. When promotion time comes, when downsizing comes, right, they don't know you're there. They don't need you if they don't know you're there. That's one thing. So, yeah, there's a way to look at it. You know, I'm flying under the radar and I'm I'm running around. I'm doing my own thing. I'm not getting my work done. But yet when the time comes for more money or when they start to downsize again, which they will because they always do, um, you will be first on the list because nobody knows who you are. Right. And and what happens after that is um, we start slinging. Right? How did this happen? And so on. And we don't have to wait. Um, these are companies we chose to work for. So we can bring our A game. There's no reason to wait to your review. Well, the thing is, is that working from home can be a beautiful thing. Right? I mean, it is, it's great. You don't have to commute. You can, you know, start working right away when you need to. You can put the time in. You have a little bit of flexibility there. But it's also a privilege to work from home, and it's something that should really be not taken lightly. And I think a lot of people take it lightly. It also, there's another flip side to it. It also can be very isolating. And with the isolation, you can get a little bit depressed and a little bit moody from it and start really becoming ambivalent because you don't feel connected anymore. There's something to be said for working within an organization where you feel connected, where you feel part of the team. And so today we can talk about, too, is like some tips to keep you connected, to keep you in the loop, to make sure that you are still part of the team, even when you're working from home or you're on the road. Excellent. Um, But it's regardless of your job description because, yes, we feel it. We sense it if we're working from home. My peer group, uh, former coworkers sense it. But it goes all the way up the chain. The sea levels that are out there are sensing it as well. And they are suffering from the same ambivalent symptoms as everyone else, the same isolation of working from home as everyone else. And So let me interrupt you for a second. When you start talking about ambivalence, so 
what made you decide on this topic today? We can do better. We're not progressing fast enough. There's no reason, as I can tell, for so many of us to be out of work. There's no reason for the level of angst as a result of outsourcing. There's no reason for it. Um, well, some will say there's nothing you can do about that. Right, and that's the problem. Mm. Uh, there is something you can do about it. Um, you can ask why this is happening at your company, and they will explain it. And maybe it is a good thing. And maybe your job description now needs to shift from um, something that can now be outsourced to a subject matter expertise elsewhere in your company. Um, but what oftentimes happens is we lay low under the radar and hope we don't get tapped on the shoulder. And that, to me, is an, is an attitude fueled by ambivalence because you're not. Well, and, and I'm not sure that it is ambivalence. I, I would say that it's fear. Um, it, it is fear. Right, and that fear can then create that ambivalence because you start to feel like there's nothing I can do. But but let's understand here, right, mm-hmm. when we're working, um, there's a lot of responsibility. Our job is very important. You know, fear is in the mix. It's a given, right? Um, so we have to accept it as well. Um, we can't do nothing and hide because of the fear either doesn't make sense, right? We Either way, we need to come up. I think what happens is maybe the fear leads us to be more, who cares, right? Right, it does, but that's where the interconnectedness comes into play, right? When you start connecting with people, when you start connecting with your teams, it can also alleviate some of that fear because you start feeling like you have people on your side, but you're also a teammate. So it kind of goes both ways. You want to be part of the team, but you also want to be, a good teammate. Yeah, it's driving me, um, as you can tell, um, crazy because mm. you know I'm not I'm not hearing it as I'm preaching it. I'm not hearing it back, mm-hmm. right? So, for example, last week we were speaking and we were speaking at a conference and we were talking about security, very important topic, and. Um, these, IT security. IT securities. These guys are really good at what they do. They're subject matter experts in their field. But they were there but not there. And um, they were not getting that there's something they can do. They were thinking more, my company sent me here today. I'm attending the conference, and I'm going to tell them if I saw anything interesting. And we need more. Right. We we need the revolutionary on the horse say today I'm going to drill down on this conference. I'm going to stand up because I do care and I'm going to find out what is here that can help my company. Right. One of the things we said even at the summit right last week was, you know, you say fear is the cause. Um, I say motive matters. You've got to have a motive to begin with, and the motive needs to be care. You need to care about the job you have, right? Um, and 
go from there. And you need to understand what your role is within the organization. One of the things that we've been hearing a lot about lately is personal branding, right? Because we always hear about branding companies. And if you're an entrepreneur, you need branding. Well, now what you're hearing a lot of is personal branding. And the reason personal branding has come about now is because of all the downsizing that has taken place over the years. And you no longer will work for an organization for 35 or 40 years or even 10 years. And so you need to understand what it is that what it is that you bring to the table. And that's where personal branding comes into play. So we can talk a little bit about that too today. Personal branding, um, I think, is the greatest. I mm-hmm. love it, right? I think it's a great thing. I, I agree with you 100%. It's something we all need. Well, because what it does is it gives you an understanding of how you fit within your organization. Who am I and what do I bring to the table? Not just what is my job description. And a lot of people, depending on their level, will think, well, I don't really need that because, you know, I'm just a cog in this wheel. No, everybody needs it. You need to understand what it is that you bring to the table. Even if you walk in, like, let's say you walk into a store and you run into a sales clerk. You can always tell the difference between the people that really like their job or at least pretend to like their job and are really good at what they do as compared to the ones that are just there to get a paycheck. And it's the ones that really are good at their jobs that then eventually will move up and do something different or even stay within that organization, but just at a different level because they care about what they're doing and they care about the organization and they care about not only the success of the organization, but about their own success. Um, I agree. And now because we're so sensitive to this topic, Mm. we see that it jumps off the page all, all through the community, all the time. You always see that person that you're drawn to because you know they care about what they do and they're going the extra yard. Right. And those are the places that you end up going to to eat again. You end up going there to shop again. You end up spending your dollars there. You stay at your company. Right. For the same reason. Right. Um, You know, and we always, we are advocates of that, right? Right. Stay and fight where you're working right now. I don't recommend anybody cut and run. Um, I want to say before we go to break a couple of things, we want to even speak to the C-levels. We want to give them some suggestions of what they can do tomorrow, starting tomorrow. Um, and I also want to share our new website, charlieanddiva.com. Um, we ourselves have rebranded. We're clicking it up a notch as well, right? Um, our companies need us now more than ever. Our communities need us now more than ever. So we're stepping up too. So we have a new website to um, serve you guys charlieandeva.com, and uh, I just completed my opening statement. Excellent. So let's <laughs> go ahead and take our first break. Okay, stay with us. Uh, we will be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. 
There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Segment 2, and today it's just me and Charlie, and we're discussing ambivalence, not just in the workplace, but in our lives and in the world, really, because ambivalence is kind of happening everywhere. And so we we are providing some strategies and some tips on how to kind of shake off that ambivalence. And believe us, we're as guilty of it as anyone. I mean, it can be difficult, especially because we become so disconnected. You know, in work, we're all working from home or on the road. We're on our phones. We are not talking. We're texting and we're emailing. And you, there can be a lot of miscommunication with that. And there can also be a lot of isolation. And suddenly you don't feel like you're a part of anything. And before you know it, you start spiraling downward into ambivalence. And the ambivalence goes not just, you know, from the lower ranks, but all the way to the top, all the way, as Charlie was saying earlier, into the sea level, because we are so disconnected. I agree that it, 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 the root cause could be fear. Yeah, and the root cause a lot of times is fear, because what we're finding is is that what a lot of people that are getting promoted are getting promoted because of bullying tactics. You know, you're seeing a lot of that, and you see a lot of um, a lot of executives that can be classified as narcissistic. And so it gets a little scary. You know, you see people losing their jobs and then they can't get jobs. And so how do you find your place in a very different world than it was 20 years ago? I mean, there was a time that if you kept your head down, you could actually, you know, I was going to say graduate, but you could retire from an organization in like 35 years with your gold watch and get your pension. It was okay. That was good then. No, it was fine. And what we started to see in the late 80s and early 90s was that people were starting to let go right before they got their pension, right? You started seeing a lot of that so that the company didn't have to pay for that. And things really started to shift. And now it's become, you know, work's become a way of life where, you know, you're not going to work for an organization, maybe for even five years or 10 years, but yet you'll go into an HR interview and they'll say to you, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, probably not here. You know I mean? So how do you answer these questions and how do you handle it? That to me, that question is ambivalence. That's, this is what it says to read. So I'll read it. Right. That's exactly right. That's again, not really looking at what it is that you're doing. And they did a good job of that in in the goofy movie, The Intern, when they asked Robert De Niro where he thought, you know, I've got a really great question for you. Where do you see yourself in five years? You know, he's 70 years old. And, you know, it was a joke in the movie, but it's actually not a joke because what people are doing is they're not really looking at what their job does. They're just looking at what the task is. And that's different. It's different. And that's where the personal branding piece comes in is what is it that your job accomplishes and how do you fit within the organization? And as you're delivering it, if you are in an interview, because now we're smarter, as you're talking about your personal brand, say, you know, five years from now, I expect you could answer the question before it's even asked. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you can do all of that, but, you know, so let's say, let, you know, let's just take a step back and say that 
you're someone, you've just started working, you're in a cube, they've given you reconciliations to do or whatever, whatever the task is, right? I mean, you know, we know from like an IT and an accounting background um, that there can be a lot of just very mundane type of work being done. However, where does that work fit into the big picture? How do you fit into the big picture? Why are you doing what you're doing? It's kind of that, I forget where it comes from. It's that Japanese model of ask the five whys when there's a, when there's a problem. Why? Why did this happen? Yep. And then, you know, you answer that question and then you ask the why there. And it's the same thing with what you're doing. Why am I doing this? Where do I fit? Who does this affect? Um, I agree. For some reason, mm. um, because of the bullying, maybe, or the fear, mm-hmm. sometimes people misinterpret questioning as defiance, and it's really the opposite. You're trying to help embrace them get that task completed, so you're asking lots of questions around it so that you can understand it better. Well, I think if you start asking questions from a viewpoint of, it's not that I think that you're doing this wrong. It's that I want to get a really good understanding and a really good handle around what I'm doing. And it doesn't matter what level you're at. I think the higher up we start going up the food chain, the more we're afraid to ask questions. And what I have found is, you know, working on big projects, everyone was just working on their own piece. And when I would say, well, hang on a second, where does this fit in the scheme of this entire project? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, where is this coming from? I don't know. These are the types of questions that you need to ask so that when you sit down in a meeting, you can actually bring a lot of value to what it is that you're doing by understanding the big picture. And it's true in small business, large business, and and even in the home. Well, it's always true in, in small business as well because you'll see a lot of people going into their jobs and just saying, well, I only know where this piece is because I only work on this piece. Yeah. It's like, okay, but there's a whole store here or a whole organization. Where do you fit in this organization? You know, for me, right, it's it's um, a challenge because, believe me, I feel it. I say it. We're talking about it. This is our mission. Mm-hmm. And living it is not always that easy, right? So it's always a challenge to practice what you preach um, I know I have certain things that I do when that happens, right, um, which we can talk about. But I think every single one of us need to challenge ourselves to come forward a little more and bring lots of conversation so that everybody starts talking. What happens is is that, you know, you'll talk to a lot of people and they will look to experts to tell them what to do. So tell me how I should brand myself. Tell me what I should be doing in this job. Tell me how I should be getting ahead in my career. And there's something to that, to be looking to someone that's more of an expert in their field to help you with guidance. But at the end of the day, it's still your decision. It's still your gut feel. It's still what you want. And so you have to start looking at what it is that you want because we're not quitting work at 62 anymore. You know, and we're not going to be doing that. Right. And so the thing is, is to start looking at is looking at what it is that you love to do. And it just starts in your day to day right now, today. 
what do I like about my day and what do I hate about my day? And can I put more of what I like into my day and remove less of what I don't like? And so many times we get into this anxiety thing where we go heads down into Facebook or into our phones just to block out all that angst. And you think you're busy, but the reality is you're not really busy. You're just, I do that all the time. I, you know, you feel like you're so busy, but the reality is I don't need to be on Facebook. So that's the problem, right? Yeah. You need to somehow cross that line between writing down the tasks that we like, don't like, making the lists, and actually believing what we're doing is truly the list. <laughs> right. You know, um, and that's where the challenge becomes. And yet social media is is a big diversion. It's a big diversion, but also when you're at work, so you'll say, well, you know, there's so much about work that I hate. Okay, if you truly hate it, if you truly do a real assessment and see how it is that I fit into this and what can I change and what can't I change, if you truly hate it, then it's time to take some action and do something about it because you're not doing yourself or the organization any good at all. Right, uh, and that is really the crux of what we're trying to get at, right? right? Um whether it's fear or insecurity or confusion, or maybe you just not sh- don't know what you want, like us, <laughs> right? Um, it's okay, but we have to continue to move forward. It no, was- you have to continue to move forward, but you also have to start assessing from a place internally first. And that's where the personal branding maybe helps. That's where maybe coaching helps, right? I mean, if you go um, as we move move forward, um Guys, the charlieandeva.com website has tools and services on both sides of the equation on how we can help and move forward together because we're here to help. Um, we're here by choice, right? And we're here to help us all make a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, and so what happens is, is when you start looking at your workplace and you start assessing not from how – How did it happen that I'm working with all these jerks? But how am I contributing to this environment as well? Because you'll hear it all the time. We talk about that all the time. You'll talk to 10 people, and 10 people will say that they work with jerks, but no one will ever say that they're the jerk. Well, somebody in that mix is a jerk, right? Right? Is is adding to the issue. So we say, right, um, in my book, 100% of the people that I spoke with um, about this topic, 100%, that's everyone, say they agree there are issues, problems, and concerns in the workplace. That same 100%, everyone, also said issues, problems, and concerns in the workplace are caused by others. Right, always. So so now what? You right. never hear anyone say, yeah, I'm the problem. Right, I'm the problem. It's always that everybody else is the problem. So that's why it takes a bit of assessing. And sometimes you need an external person objectively, someone who's objective that will help you assess. But for the most part, if you sit sit back and start looking at what about your day you like and what about your day you don't like, that's a really good place to start. And it's something that people don't tend to do, but it can be very powerful when you do that. And it can be the first step in figuring out how you can start making small tweaks in your day to start enjoying your day more. Because you want to make a shift from a place of calm happiness and not from a place of anxiety and panic and anger. 
Because what will happen is if you don't do the assessment and you decide to make a shift and you decide to make a change, you're just going to take all that angst, anger, panic, and fear with you. And it may not even be for need of a shift, but um, maybe a, a need to be a little more productive, and which would be lead to a shift. Right. You know, right. Uh, it could be a small step. Um, I, I think I think that's... Not everybody is meant to be an entrepreneur. I mean, being an entrepreneur has its own challenges. So a lot of people think, well, I just worked for myself. Well, if you're finding that if you are working at home alone and you're still not getting any headway at work, there's a good chance that you're going to have a hard time working on your own and being an entrepreneur. So you want to see first, is there something that I can change at work first to make me happier? And then make the determination of whether or not you're an entrepreneur or not. Yep, um, I agree, and we'll talk about this more. We'll talk about this more, and then we can also talk about um, shifting into the home. Um, excellent. Um, so let's... Well, we're going to go ahead and take our second break. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on TalkZone. Welcome back, everyone. Um, segment three, we're passionately talking about um, what causes us at times to really not move forward to say there's nothing you can do or that's not really my job. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, I think we're really passionate about it because we see it. We see it in our careers and we lived it as well. But this past week, weekend, we were at a summit where the revolutionaries were there. They were, um, so excited about making a difference and sharing it with us. And, you know, uh, and we're going to be bringing many of them on in the weeks to come. Um, I also want to mention our website again, charlieneva.com. Eva is a certified life coach, EFT practitioner, and has taught me so many things. Um, and I'm a certified agile expert and also speaker and seminars there as well. We are here to help. We were talking before the break about what we can do even as one person, to maybe come out a little bit, to maybe raise our head out a little bit, even if we take baby steps, so that we shed or starve the ambivalence and feed the ambition, which is why we were hired in the first place. It's easy to become really complacent. It's easy to sit there and say, well, I can't do anything about this because I've got a crazy boss This is a crazy project, and it does get like that, and I understand it because I've been in the trenches. I know what that's like, but I also know that when you kind of lift your head out and start questioning 
why are we doing some of these tasks that we're doing? Not as a way to be belligerent, but as a way to maybe either make the task easier, make the task better, or just get rid of the task to take some of that extra work off our plates. Because sometimes what we find is there's reports, there were reports or statuses that we were creating that had been done the same way for 10 years that no one was really using anymore. It just wasn't relevant anymore. But everybody was doing it well because we've been doing this. And we want to think that that's not the case. We want to think that we're, you know, innovators and we're doing things differently. But so many times we just get caught up in the day-to-day and we get so overwhelmed by everything that we have to do that we forget to question some of the tasks that we do. And, and, you know, right now we're talking about work, but in a little bit we're also going to talk about the home because there's something to be said about that for the home, too. Okay. Um, just a comment on the questioning in the workplace. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, it's, we're desperately in need of more questioning, right, for the exact reason. And you know what? When you start questioning, maybe it's the right thing to do. Maybe that old form is still is still needed. Well, and we tend to talk about things from an IT standpoint, but IT kind of, you know, is the foundation of a lot of organizations. Well, I just want to add, though, uh, in questioning, I was able to eliminate 25% of the current workload. Well, that was where I was going with that, right? That was where I was going with that, because as you started to question, you found that there was a lot of places that people were wasting time or wasting money. And not that everyone isn't overworked, but there were also areas where some people were underutilized. Yes, underutilized. And all it took was asking questions. And and there's something to be said, you know, because there'll be a lot of people in the organization, especially the ones that are really good at what they do, right? They question, they understand the process. They really get to know. I know um, as a IT consultant, the consultants that were really good at what they did were the ones that really cared about the client and really cared about giving the client what they needed and not just an implementation of software, but actually giving them the tools that they need to do their job better and more effectively. Those are the guys that everybody went to. And they could get really overwhelmed with work. And on the other hand, you would have some of the people that were also underutilized. And underutilization is also a problem because that also leads to leads to isolation and depression and ambivalence because being underutilized, you start to feel like you don't really matter to the organization. So somehow we have to have the people that are really good at what they do also share how they do that. And that can be difficult to do when you're feeling overwhelmed, but also just kind of sharing with others in the team This is what you need to look at. This is how you have to start looking at these projects. This is how you have to start interacting with our clients in order to become a real part of our team. Um, So listening to Eva, I started to learn how to apply some of these things. In the beginning, I would think they were silly. Um, I know what I have to do. I just got to do it. I just got to do it, right. Um, And then I realized that my daily walk through my day assessment really didn't have anything to do with work. It had to do with what you were just saying. Am I being utilized properly? Mm-hmm. Do I really know what my job description is? Are my coworkers interacting with me? You know, this became my list. Am I presenting myself accordingly, right? Not today I'm going to file this report. Today I'm going to get five new customers. Um, I didn't even go there. 
And that was sort of like a byproduct as I started to lift my game up. And people to me, how, how do I know if it's working? People would say to me, so what do you think? You know, where in the right. past no one ever did that. Right. You can start to tell when it starts to, when things start to shift is because you become the go-to person. Yeah. You become the person that people want to really get to know because you're the one that can really run and lead the team because you understand what, what the project or the organization or whatever it is that you work with is all about. You get it. So on my list now, I ask myself the first question, am I starving the ambivalence or am I feeding it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I go from there. If I'm working on a project where everybody's head is down, I need to pick them up. I need to do what I can. So um, I just think that one thing we haven't discussed here, another byproduct of this is trust. If you're communicating collaboratively, it builds trust. And when that happens, others join in. Yeah, especially if you're the lead on a team, it's important that you are the one that is the most trustworthy of everyone. Never, ever, ever, ever throw anyone under the bus. And I've seen people do it. People say, well, I'm not the one that throws people under the bus. And you see it every single day because you don't want to take the hit for something. So you'll throw somebody under the bus. I knew and right from the beginning the most, that that was a harsh deadline. I knew it. I just never said nothing. You know, that's right. Not. Well, but that's, that's not really throwing somebody under the bus. That's just kind of, you know, saying, well, it's not me. Throwing somebody on the bus is, you know, well, I told Charlie. You know, I told Charlie that this was never going to work, but he didn't care. You know, he said, blah, 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 or Charlie did this wrong or Charlie did that wrong. That's throwing somebody under the bus. Well, what's interesting is, you know, in the workplace, we talk a lot about this stuff. Let's see if a lot of these same um, techniques apply in the home, right? Oh, I do. Well, so let's just take a step back. So, you know, what are some of the things that you can start doing tomorrow to start shifting the way you think about work? And the first thing to me is always awareness. You know, how do you think about your day? What is working in your day and what isn't working in your day? And for that, you really want to take, I'm always a big proponent of carrying around a small notebook with you to write down what works and what doesn't work and just do it for a week. You don't have to do it every day for the rest of your life. You know, do it for a week or do it for a week where you tend to get very overwhelmed just to see, to start getting an awareness around what you have some control over and what you don't have some control, what you don't have control Meaning over. like if, uh, uh, I spend most of my day going through emails. Maybe I need to adjust that. Maybe you need to adjust that, you know, and maybe you need to adjust your way that you do that or, you know, find somebody that's an email expert that can help you start to shift through that. Or start only, you know, if, if emails get you down, because a lot of people get really inundated with emails, start looking at changing the way that emails work within your organization. All this reply, all stuff that we've talked about before is craziness. Everybody doesn't need to be copied on every single email. This is what starts creating bottlenecks. But, you know, aside from that, so that's one example, but just start looking what works and what doesn't work and how can you change and shift that and really start thinking creatively about that. Start questioning some of the tasks that you're doing that don't seem to be getting anywhere or not not serving anyone and start to question it, not from a place of being belligerent, but being from a place of wanting to make a difference in your organization. Right, and monitor 
the ambivalence, starvation mm-hmm. so the first, indicator. So the first task is to become aware of what you're liking and what you're not liking. And then the second task from there is to then see how you can shift some of this so that your day becomes more around having stuff in your day that you like as opposed to having stuff in your day that you don't like. And we have to apply that's, some. Um, that's a Daniel Pink. I don't know if anyone's ever read Daniel Pink, but um, he's written a number of books. And that was one of his suggestions was around, you know, looking at your day. And Martha Beck does that, too, about looking at your day. But we got to put common. intelligence around it, too, and say, I don't like anything. Right. Well, but become very specific. You can't just say, I don't like anything. Become very specific. I don't like email. I don't like Bob that sits next to me. I don't like sitting in this office. Become very specific about what it is that you like and what you don't like. And if you hate everything, then you have to start questioning, why am I there? Why am I there? And if you'll say it's for the paycheck, well, you're not really doing yourself or the organization any good because somewhere down the road, you're either going to quit out of anger or you're going to get fired, probably more likely that you get fired. Or your business will fold. Or it'll fold, right, and everybody will just get caught. So it's basically self-assess mm-hmm. what you like and what you don't like initially as a right. start. Right, just self-assess. And then see where you can start making changes within that assessment. And it's just an everyday drip, drip, drip. It's not a, you know, it's not a huge task is just a small task that you do for a while just to start having some awareness around you know clarity and clarity around what you like and what you don't like um i like to also add am i making anything better Mm -hmm. right along the way even you know liking everything is great and it'll it'll be a great start but i also results is what matters Mm -hmm. so am i delivering um, and, you know, if I'm in security, I'm on security and I see the company bleeding and I'm doing my job and going home saying I like it, everything is cool. I maybe want to address something in addition to that. Right. Right. Ugh, it never ends, does it? It never ends. Um, so. Um, but what it could result in uh, is, you know, liking your job again. Liking your job, you know, understanding what it was that that made you join that organization in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you in the last five years, um, I've been recharged equal or greater than the entire 35 years prior in my career just by using some of these techniques. Well, and there, it's not to say that there aren't times when you just think, oh, I can't take any of it, right? I just want to go lay down and I'm done. And sometimes that's also a good indicator, too, that it may be time for a break and take a vacation and a few days off. We don't give ourselves enough breaks. Right. That's got to go on the list. we got to assume power when we make the list because yeah. usually we'll say, well, It's about I, taking your power back. I would love to do this, but I know. There's nothing you can do. I would love to do this, but I know there's nothing you can do. You know, I'd love to take a vacation, but I haven't taken one in five years because nobody does. We, at least on the list, you're in charge. Mm-hmm. At least the make the list. Charge, yeah. And, you know, and people say, well, I can't take a vacation, or when I take a vacation, I come back. I'm just so inundated with stuff. I get that. But you can also take a day. No one's that important that they can't take a day or two. Right. Always. Um, and this is good. Uh, I always get charged and recharged, so thank you. Um, I have a question that I'm going to ask you when mm. we come back. Okay. Um, because 
it's interesting because we are all connected inside the work and outside the work. Oh, yeah. And when the team's buzzing along, I mean, work is just, it's just a joy. Even if the project is going south for whatever reason, work is still Well, fun. because it's hard work and sometimes that happens. Yeah, and, but, you know, hard work with people that you like working with and that you trust is amazing. That also goes on the list. It's not about meeting the date of the deadline because that's your job, Right. Right. Okay, so um, stay with us. We have one more segment. I have a question for Eva when we come back. Um, Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on talkzone.com. Well, I can't believe that we're in our fourth and final segment already. Um, I usually say that when we have guests, but now it's just the two of us, and I'm still saying that it's going kind of fast. Well, I get a little overcharged, so forgive me, but I, you know, I really embrace stuff like this because I think it's important. No, I know. It's a good topic, too. And so you had a question you said before the break um, for me. Well, okay, so we talked about trust in the workplace, mm. and we've oftentimes heard that how critical that is, right? It's critical. And that broken trust can't be uh, repaired in the workplace. And oftentimes broken trust is one of the reasons to leave a company. So my question then is, you know, how do you do that in the home, right? If, If there's broken trust, I mean, we still have to stay together, right? So we need to start learning, I think, um, about rebuilding trust if it might be broken, even in the workplace. Well, you know, actually I see a couple, a couple different topics or segments in that question that you have. Um, the first thing is it's important for you to be trustworthy, right? Whether it be at work or at home, just having some integrity around what you do. If you say you're going to do something, then do it. If you don't really mean it, then don't say it. Um, be kind, be compassionate. And for some reason, we think about work, we don't think about being kind and compassionate, but it's absolutely the number one place to be kind and compassionate at because we're at work more than we're at home half the time. And we're also working when we're at home. So just showing kindness and compassion to your coworkers and to your clients will make a huge difference. And then that goes, of course, for your family and for your friends. Now, let's say something happens. You know, the first way to rebuild trust is by apologizing. And that doesn't matter if you're at work or at home. You have to apologize. And the apology has to be sincere. It can't have any buts in it. Yeah, I'm really sorry, but, you know, you were were a real jerk. That's why I said what I said. Um, 
I didn't mean to do that, but I, I had over, no choice. I was overstressed. <laughs> I was overstressed. Leave the butt. Leave your butt on the table. Leave your butt in, leave the, your chair. Butt in the chair. That's a good <laughs> right. one. Yeah. Leave the butt out of it and really sincerely apologize. And then from there, talk about what you're going to do differently in the future so that it doesn't happen again. And really make that happen. And it's the only way to rebuild that trust. And it really depends on how bad the slight was that you created. You know, I mean, there's there's a big difference between, you know, being late one night and not calling as opposed to having an affair. I mean, those are... Right, no, I, I get it. I get it. Um, and there's also um, the buildup to the point where everything just where the dam finally broke, right? So how much of this crap were you doing prior to having a big blowout? And that's the same for work, too. It's not just for in the home. Because I think that's important for me in the workplace to know that I can talk about it with my seniors or my coworkers or even my uh, business partners. Um, I'm reassessing. I'm making a list. I'm trying to understand what I like and what I don't like. And I, th- I think it's okay to share that because I think that will build trust. So, this way, where did this change come from? You know. Well, it's that piece isn't the trustworthy piece. That's where you're just changing and you're shifting no, the way I'm that you're approaching. I'm being things. transparent that I'm working on this. Right. If there was an issue prior to that, what everybody said, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. You're not. You're not doing anything. And so here, here's what here. Are, here is my action plan for making change. Right. You know, for creating a shift. Right. Yeah. How often does that happen? Well, you know, it can happen really often. It just depends on whether or not you feel motivated to make that shift. And typically what happens is, is something goes south and it goes south bad. And you can't keep going the way you were going. Now, there are a lot of people out there that can see this coming and will make the change before it happens. But more times than not, Something happens and that's when you decide to make the shift and start gaining awareness. Or you're just miserable and you can't get yourself out of bed because you're so unhappy and you just realize I have to do something because I can't keep going on like this. So that's the why, right? That's the why. That's the why. Doesn't Find have, your why. doesn't have to be to get a raise at the end of the review. Well, what happens is, is that that tends to follow. Right. I mean, the money tends to follow the shift in your thing as you become the go to person. Right. Right. How can it not happen? And if it doesn't happen, then you can you can once again assess and say, you know what? It's time for me to go look for something else, because now I have the skill sets. Now I know my worth. Now I know what I bring to the table. And this organization isn't doing it for me anymore. They're still stuck in an old way of thinking. And I've tried to get them to think differently and they're not really moving with it. So I'm in a really good place about who I am and what I do and how I present myself. And I think that I can find a different place that I can do this and have get more money and have um, more self-satisfaction. That's a tricky one, too. It's a tricky one. Because it could also be a diversionary um, result. Well, head. that's why, I mean, the assessment has to be very honest and typically should be done with a coach or a therapist or someone that you trust, someone that can look at this objectively and say, no, no, I think you're on the right track. Right. Uh, my company's old-fashioned, a lot of politics, 
there's nothing I can do. I've tried everything. It's time for well, me. Well, and there's some people that like that kind of an organization, right? I mean, they kind of thrive in that. Yeah. So it just may not be your thing. But well, that's where you have to look at yourself honestly and say, what is it honestly without fear, without my own self-judgment, without my own limiting beliefs, which takes some work, right? What is it that I bring to the table? Because a lot of times, most of the time, 95% of the time, we hold ourselves back. We'll say it's the organization. We'll say it's our spouse. We'll say it's our crazy kids. We'll say it was our bad upbringing. It's us. That's what I was getting to as well, um, my dear. Mm-hmm. And you nailed it again, as usually. As usually. Um, because at my age, in my career, yes. I realized that... It's not really the company. You're right. There's no covert conspiracy that the company is doesn't have good intentions. Well, there are sometimes companies that don't have good intentions. There can be covert conspiracies. But when you get grounded in who you are, those co- tend to come out quicker. Because otherwise, you're just trying to like make everybody happy and you're just spinning. When you get grounded, when you get centered, when you see this is what I bring to the table – that type of organization becomes very crystal clear, and you know that it's time to go. Imagine the workplace then. Everybody is on their game, speaking, communicating, talking, making a difference in their own way. I know. It would be amazing. Um, so, um, as And that's why we say making a difference in the workplace, our lives, and the world, right? Because, well, how is it that me, you know, com? how can we make a difference in the world? Well, think about all the people that you interact with on a daily basis. If you're grounded and centered and calm and you interact with people in that way and those people go out into the world and they're feeling better about themselves and they interact with people, there's a big shift. It's the butterfly effect. It is the butterfly effect. Just a little butterfly wing. Um, no, I, I, I love it. Um, let's. I just want to say charlieneva.com, there's lots of tips, services, communication where teammates reach out. Um, info at charlieneva.com. Let's recap quick. we got a minute or two left. Okay. So um, what can we do starting tomorrow? We talked about that assessment. Right. So you want to just have some awareness of what it is in your day that you like and what it is in your day that you don't like and become very honest and become very detailed in that. And you don't have to do that for a long time. If you do that for a week, I think it will be very clear as to what's bugging you and what's not. Because what happens is is we just go, oh, today's going to suck, and we go from there, right? But become very, very detailed, and what is it that sucks and what doesn't? What is it that you like and what is it that you don't like? You know, some people like being heads down in the numbers and the details and the minutia of their jobs. Other people like to be around other people. So make sure that you know that about yourself. And maybe you can even get assessed in that, you know, get a Myers-Briggs or, um, you know, there's a DISC. There's all sorts of different assessments that you can take that gives you a little bit of a background as to what it is that you like and don't like. And then start going through your day and see if there's something. Once you do that assessment, then the second task is to then see what it is that you can shift within that day. Are there ways that you can put more, yes, more likes as opposed to more dislikes. And uh, we said that's sort of like taking back your power. Even mm-hmm. though you don't think you have that power where you are, you still want to put it on the list. That's right. 
Um, so, you know, we're out of time already. But let's start with those two things, and then we will keep everyone posted, and you guys share with us some of your results, and we'll start starving the ambivalence and feeding the ambition. Right. So thanks for staying with us this week, everyone. And next week, we will have another great guest. Until then, have a great week. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Bye, guys. Take care.